Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear the words of our Lord. In the Gospel of St. John, the woman said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm making a pointed decision to talk about Jesus instead of panic this morning. So according to the words of our Lord, which I have struggled with for some time, we're going to find him. The first time I got to preach this text, I was a little baby pastor, and I focused on this lady's sin, because it seemed like a really handy proof text that Jesus doesn't really seem to be on board with folks living together without being married, and some folks got uncomfortable. As it turns out, it's a lot safer to preach against the sins that we only see outside our walls. You get yelled at way less that way. Thing is, though, whether or not you actually see this stuff, statistics don't just go away by announcing that you're a conservative congregation. The numbers don't lie. You gather 100 people together, no matter what you want to name them. Well, some people in this congregation have had abortions. Some people in this congregation have struggled with same-sex attractions. I'm afraid to ask about your browser history. It's not just society that needs Jesus. It's actually us. So the second time that I preached this text, I tried really hard to find Jesus comforting the sinner. But it really bothered me because I couldn't quite shake the feeling that he just spent the whole time heckling her. Like every response that she has to him is biting. She comes to see that he has power, but never really finds mercy for her sins, and nobody actually got any water to drink anyway. It bothered me, so that time I was the uncomfortable one. And I did what any decent pastor would do. I avoided the text altogether, and I preached from the Old Testament lesson. Moses, tired of the people grumbling and complaining and fighting, so the Lord tells him, hit a rock with a stick and it'll shut him up. So... There's a rock from whose side comes living water, struck to put an end to the sinful rebellion of God's people, and that rock was Christ. He was struck. He was beaten. He was crucified and pierced for you, for all. From his side comes living water. The Lord was among sinners to save them. Not bad, huh? This is the third time, and so I'm not going to preach about panic because I think I'm finally starting to understand the thing. It's a gift to be able to look at the text more often. And the third time I got to actually preach this thing, I think more than anybody else, the most uncomfortable person in the room is actually the lady at the well. Every time she recoils and rebuffs and retorts, she really only shows how much she doesn't actually want to be there. Give me a drink of water. And she can only respond with the words that she must have been told so many times before. She's not Jewish enough. She's Samaritan. The Jews wouldn't deal with her. And she knew it. She's a second-class citizen in these parts. But it's not about that. 
Jesus isn't here to berate her. He's actually pointing to something bigger. There's living water here, and it's free, and it's for her. But she's still so beat down that she can't see it. Knock it off, she says. You're insane. There's no bucket here. There's no rope. You are not as great as you think you are. You are not a Jacob. This well comes from our father, Jacob. I have a right to call on God, too. Because she's heard way too many times that she has that right taken away from her. She's heard too many times that no, she can't. Nobody told her anything more than what was wrong with looking for God on the mountain he never actually promised to be on. See, the only difference between the Jews and the Samaritans was that the Jews went to the temple to worship. They heard the promise of where God would be in the spilling of the blood on the altar. But they never told her she could come too. She just knows that the God she cried to on that mountain hasn't answered her prayers for peace. And based on how she's been treated by the ones who go to the temple, the God they pray to there doesn't seem all that concerned about her either. Do you see why she's so uncomfortable? She actually has to work herself up every single time she goes out in public. She hears what she is, Whenever she goes out, she hears what she's not. Every time people see her, she's not Jewish enough. She's not married enough. She would rather not go out to that well anymore at all. How can I not have to come back here anymore? She actually confesses it. Give me the water so that I don't have to go out in public anymore. I don't want to have to come here anymore. I don't want to have to be what they stare at anymore. I don't want to have to be what they talk about. I don't want to be the object lesson to the nice little boys and girls anymore. Because the actual sin is the one thing she is the least willing to talk about. You get explanations with every other response until the last. Go and call your husband and have him come here. You know, not the first five. This guy, the one you built a home with. Whose husband is he? That might be the real question. Jesus asked for water and never got any. He asked after her husband and never got an answer either. Jesus actually asked for every single thing that she needs and never gets it because she can't give it. Sin is still sin. It breaks stuff. Salvation did come from the temple of the Jews, but Jesus is here to do more than just sort of correct her church-going habits. He is there to give mercy to sinners. He doesn't wait until she feels appropriately sorry. Her biting answers toward Jesus say plenty about how she really sees herself. He just starts promising living water to bitter sinners, and he is so blunt about it that the rest of us get every bit as uncomfortable with this text as this lady does, because there is no condition. Just ask. The living water, it is here, it is free. It is for you. And we would imagine it's because Jesus isn't being as polite as we like to imagine, but really I think that it's deeper. I think that it's because this whole conversation points to a truth that we ourselves would rather not see, and that is that nobody here has ever been saved by measuring shortcomings. Nobody here has ever been saved by picking the right handful of sins to not get busted doing in public. Nobody here has ever been saved by doing enough. We are saved by Jesus, the rock. We are saved by the living water that comes from his pierced side. 
because he shows up to gather us sinners in. He comes down to save us. He bleeds, he dies, he is crucified, and we are saved. This gift is for you too. There are no conditions. It is free, and it is for you. It is for your sins that you hide away, for the statistics that you have become, whether on purpose or on accident. It is for your guilt. It is for you. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, peace, life, mercy, these are yours, because our Lord would not take it upon himself to redeem the worthy, but the lost, the sinners, us. We gaze to the cross this land to recognize the love that our Lord has for us. The abortions are forgiven because Jesus died for them. That doesn't make it okay. Sin still breaks stuff. But they are forgiven, covered by the precious blood of Christ. The attractions you wrestle with, forgiven because Jesus has bled and died for you. Your browser history, forgiven because our Lord would not measure you by your weakness, but by his mercy. You have that living water which is promised. You are nothing less, nothing less than what has happened to you at that font right there. You are baptized, holy, worthy of love. You are clean and forgiven of all of your sins. You have been given living water that will never run dry, living mercy that never runs out because our Lord would see you only in light of that font. You are his child, baptized and loved. You are his child, forgiven in mercy. You are his child, and nothing can change that fact because he has come to redeem you, to worship in spirit and truth. It is to know that the Father seeks such people as us. He sends his Son to redeem us, his Spirit to wash us at that font. And it is to know that the peace that is promised in this religion isn't just to the people who behave in public, and it's not even just for some day when you go to heaven. That peace is wherever Jesus promises to be, and he has promised to be here, and he has promised to be now, and he has promised to be for you. So, dear brothers and sisters in Christ who cling to Jesus, peace. Amen. And now may this peace which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and your minds unto life everlasting. Amen.